0: Good afternoon, podcast listeners. This is Rob Plouffe. Welcome back to Mid-Michigan Bowling News, the podcast for bowlers in the Greater Flint area and the state of Michigan. Okay, welcome back to podcast number 10. I'm going to start this podcast off uh, by letting you know, it's been a few days since I've done a podcast, but we have also lost a, uh, another member of the Greater Flint bowling community. Uh, We lost a good man on Sunday, Mr. Wendell Quinn. Wendell was the Powers Catholic Boys Varsity Bowling Coach, and he passed away from the coronavirus on Sunday evening. He was uh, 51 years old, and I believe he had been helping out with the Powers Bowling Program for uh, seven or eight years now, and I know he was the head coach for at least the last two or three years. Um, He also was employed at Hurley Medical Center in Flint, he had a big part in um, recruiting people from Hurley to bowl in the Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, fundraiser, usually every year at uh, this time of year. Um, so, our condolences to uh, the Quinn family, a very important part of uh, high school bowling over the last few years here in the greater Flint area. I also mentioned in the last podcast that the men's and women's nationals were. Um, talking about being cancelled well they they are not canceling those they're actually moving those from this time of year until the fall so men's and women's nationals have been moved. They will be starting in September in um Reno and in las Vegas for for uh men's and Reno women's in Las Vegas I believe the uh usb national tournament will now be taking place from September to November which is a big change from the way it's traditionally been done. And uh, I believe in 2021 they'll be going back to uh, that starting in March, not in September. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay, so I've covered uh, quite a few things that got me to where I am today with bowling, and I'm up to the point now where I began coaching at Kersley. Um, So at this point, I want to send out a great big thank you to uh, Jim and Sarah Tuber, they are the proprietors at Richfield Bees and uh, formerly Nightingale back in the day. And I uh, want to send a thanks out to uh, Jim Tuber for listening and the direction that you gave me to uh, to, to do something like this because um, Jim has always uh, mentioned to me that he wanted me to to write a book on how I coached for people that came behind me. case they uh, needed some ideas. so Also want to send a shout out to Jim for listening and I know he's listening because he sent me a text last night uh, with a picture of the Mental Game book and uh, said that his kids and maybe even himself will read that book. Um, So that tells me that he's been listening and he listened to my Mental Game podcast and he went out and bought the book. So good luck with that. Uh, I know it will help. So Um, Like I said some time ago, Jim mentioned to me that he wanted me to write a book on how I coached and how I became so successful as a coach. Well, this is it. Uh, I'm not going to write anything down, but I'm going to do some podcasts and I plan to discuss how I ran things at Kersley, why I did things the way I did, and uh, I anticipate that this will cover uh, several different podcasts. And today, I just want to cover how I got started and why I did things the way I did. Um, By the way, I do want to mention uh, when this coronavirus is over and we can get back into the bowling alley, I I would like to do a podcast with uh, Jim Tuber, and we're going to cover how high school bowling got started in in Michigan and how it has grown and got started here in the greater Flint area. I think uh, Jim would enjoy telling us the story for everyone to hear and who better to answer all of those questions than one of the guys that was responsible for getting that started here in our area. Um, So first of all, let me uh, throw out a a disclaimer here that I am not the uh, master of all coaching. I'm just giving you some info on how I ran things and, and why I did things the way I did. This might work for some, it might not work for others. Everyone has their own idea on how they would do things, and uh, some work and some don't. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you this, that uh, Tubby and I uh, talk a lot, we have from the very beginning, um, daily conversations on how he ran his team, how I ran my team, I got ideas from him, I think he got some ideas from me, and uh, there there are some some ways that you should do things uh, in my mind and and the way Tubby thinks as well and uh, Tubby used to always tell me uh, some people will lose uh, doing it their way rather than doing it your way and win and that's just the way people are um, but I will say this that uh, I have taken all of my experiences in bowling over my 50 years here and uh, Put them all together and taking a little of this and a little of that so some people have some ideas on ways to do things and and i used part of that and uh, and i did things differently than others and uh, somehow it worked for me but um, this isn't the uh, end-all be-all way that this is the way you should run your team if you if you want to be successful and uh, and others have proven that uh, bart uh, rutledge my counterpart at kersley he runs his team nowhere near the way I run my team, and he has been very, very successful. And uh, he's a, he's a good coach. He knows how to motivate his kids. He's very good at it, and he does things differently than I do. And uh, unfortunately, he sometimes he catches some some crap from people because of it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's doing things the wrong way. And uh, and I know there are others out there that coach that. That get that same thing. Like, how come you don't do things the way they do it at Kursley? Well, it's not. This isn't the perfect way. I'm just gonna mention that this is the way that I have done things for your information. Okay, so I was hired in the summer of 2005. Uh, I mentioned that in my last podcast, and uh, here's how I got started. So first of all, when I when I was hired, I was under the impression, and I was told that the bowling season for high school bowling begins in December and it usually ends like the end of February. First off, let me let you know this if you're listening. That is a lie. Don't let anyone ever tell you that it's only three months out of the year. If you're going to coach and you care about your kids at all, the bowling season never ends. It never, ever ends. Remember this. Every single kid that you coach, you have an impact on. And they will have an impact on you. And every single one of them, I remember. I remember all of the kids I have ever coached. Anyone that's ever came through the bowling program at Kersley, I remember every single one of them. And I think that any coach that is passionate about this will tell you the same exact thing. The season does not end. Now, when I started, we didn't have a JV team. We didn't have a middle school program. We didn't do summer workouts. We didn't have a summer camp. We didn't work out in the fall. We didn't do any of that stuff. So my very first year, I did start uh, the first of December, and it did end the end of February. Um, But I quickly realized after that first year that if you want to be successful, that you can't just stop at the end of February and say, see you in the fall. It's, uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, here's the other thing that you need to know when you, become, when you become a coach in any sport. If you're doing this for the money, then don't do it. Because uh, it's not about the money here if you're coaching, especially kids. Um, I was a volunteer coach for the Kersley Bowling Program for the first six years that I coached. Yes, that means that I didn't get paid. And when I did start to get paid by the school, the amount of money that they pay a coach, it, it might be enough to cover your costs for travel and your time spent coaching at practices and matches and tournaments, but um, you're not going to make any money being a coach. There's no doubt about it. And uh, let's face it, there isn't a lot of money to be made in the sport of bowling anyways, especially compared to other sports. Um, I've always said this, it, it didn't take me too long when I... When I was a teenager to realize that, okay, if you're one of the top 50, okay, maybe the top 100 bowlers in the world, you might be able to make a living at bowling. But if you're not, you're not going to be able to make enough money to survive. So when I was 18, 19 years old, I realized, okay, I'm not even one of the top 50 bowlers in the greater Flint area. Um, there's no way that I'm going to make a living at this. I need to go to school and get a degree. So, just a little side note for you. Don't do it for the money if you're going to coach, because there isn't any. Um, I also mentioned this, the word passionate. Uh, I mentioned that a few minutes ago, and I do believe that you have to have some passion to be a coach. A passion for something, something positive. So let's be honest here, if, uh, if you're not passionate about being a coach and having an influence on a young person's life, then why would you want to be a coach? Why do you want to do this? I also believe that you need to be a positive person to be a coach, to, at least to be a good coach. You might know the game and you might know how to play it, but if you don't know how to transfer that knowledge to someone because you're not a positive person, then you really shouldn't be coaching, especially coaching kids. If you don't know if you are a positive person or not, ask some of your closest friends. Tell them to be honest with you. Let them know. Say, hey, I want to know, am I? do you think I'm a positive person or do you think I'm a negative person? Now, I have seen, I have witnessed firsthand some coaches out there who are not positive people that are coaching kids, high school kids. And it, it's not pretty. I f- I feel bad for some of those kids. When you got a coach that's, belittling you in front of your teammates in front of other teams it's it's not a it's not a good thing um those people should not be coaching especially kids um i consider myself a positive person Uh, i think that if you ask anybody i think they'll tell you that Uh, i don't think that i have ever came down on a kid and told them that they stink or they're no good you just can't do that stuff if you're a coach your job is to build them up, not to tear them down. Remember that one. Um, so my first year, I figured I would get starting on uh, teaching some of the fundamentals to some of the uh, girls on my team after tryouts. And it was obvious after my first day of tryouts that I had a f- few girls on, on my team, three, maybe four, that were, were pretty good. And then I was going to end up with uh, six or seven of them that I was going to have to teach how to bowl. That uh, there was three or four of them that never bowled before. That it was obvious I was going to have to teach them how to bowl. So when tryouts were complete my first year of coaching, I sat down with my team. All ten of the girls that I had. And I told them what my plans were for the team for the season. And this is lesson number one out of this podcast if you're going to be a coach this is something that you should consider doing I sat down with my team and I told them the plans for the season I communicated with them I was honest with them I told them what I expected from them and I told them what the plans were and here's the most important part of this communication part if you tell them you're going to do something you better follow through with it and do what you said you were going to do. Don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. It, You will immediately, trust me, you will immediately lose all respect of everyone on your team. And it will carry over for years because some of those kids that are coming out on your team could be freshmen and they could carry on for three more years. And they could be telling their friends and their teammates, look, he says he's going to do this, but he really won't. Trust me, he won't. So let me give you some examples. One of my big pet peeves, I've brought this up in some previous podcasts, is if I say practice starts at 4 o'clock, you better be there at 4 o'clock. So on my team, for every minute that you're late, you have to do 10 sit-ups. So if you're 10 minutes late to practice, you have to do 100 sit-ups. Um, If it gets to be anything more excessive than that, then there could be some more consequences. But my rule is, for every minute that you're late, you're going to do 10 sit-ups. Now, what good would it do if I had, say, the star of my team show up five minutes late for practice, and I say, yeah, it's all right, don't worry about it. Don't worry about doing any uh, sit-ups today. Uh, Get out there and start practicing. Now, the whole rest of my team just stood there and watched me forgive someone for being late, and it was probably the best bowler on my team. I said it was the star of my team. So I just sent the message to them that if you're the star of the team, that you don't have to pay any penalties. That doesn't fly. That will not fly in a team environment. It will not fly in life. So why let it fly in your in your practice? If you say you're going to do something, do it and follow through with it. So Um, one of my other, uh, pet peeves is, uh, if you're being coached by, uh, say a parent or even another coach in the back while you're in competition, I tell my kids right from the very beginning, listen, I'm the coach. If I'm asking you to do something, I expect you to be looking at me, listening to me and trying what I'm asking you to do. If you're not going to, If I ask you to do something and I look at you and you're looking over my shoulder at your parent and your mom or your dad is telling you, do this or do that, and you're going to listen to them, then you won't bolt, period. That rule has to stick. And trust me, it's happened. I had some kids that did that to me, and I politely told them, take your ball off the rack, go put it in your bag, and you can sit here and root on your team the rest of the day because you're done. And then I get the, uh, the, the tears start flowing and the crying. Well, I, I was listening to what my mom was saying or what my dad was saying. Well, they're not, they're not your coach. I am. And if you're not going to listen to me, then don't worry about bowling. Period. Go put your ball away. You're done. That's the way things have to be. You have to have control of your team. You can't let people just run wild. And if you do, then the consequences will come you will not win. Trust me. You have to have the full, um, everyone has to be on board with you and they have to do things the way that you expect them to be done. Um, and here's another thing, Tubby and I talk about this a lot still to this day. I would never, ever, I was never brought up to, and I would never, ever encourage any of my team to ever disrespect an opponent can't happen will not happen not not if I'm around in a bowling alley with teams that are competing you just do not re- disrespect anyone it just doesn't happen I would never let my team disrespect anyone I don't care if they have five of the worst bowlers you've ever seen in your life they're there to compete just like we are and they deserve that respect just like we are. So don't disrespect them. And if that comes from the head coach, that um, you are gonna respect your opponent no matter what, no matter who it is, then that should flow into your team. And if you ever catch anyone on your team disrespecting someone, talking bad about someone, whatever it may be, you have to follow through with the consequences and you have to let your team know that from the beginning so if you say hey if I catch you disrespecting your team you will sit out a match you'll go back to the JV team um, whatever there has to be some penalty so make sure that you communicate with your team you're clear with your communication you tell them exactly how things are gonna be and then you follow through with it the most important part You must follow through and do what you say you're going to do. If you want to be successful, you got to do what you say you're going to do. Because if you don't, no one's going to follow you. So here's the other thing. Um, I said earlier that you need to be passionate while you're coaching your team. Um, You need to have some passion. You need to be excited for your team. You need to be excited for whatever it may be that, that they're trying to accomplish. Um, my very first year, I will never forget this, I had a girl on my team that wanted to learn how to pick up the 10-pin. That was her goal for the season. Um, she threw the ball pretty slow uh, and she was she hooked the ball so she had a really hard time uh, straightening the ball out and picking up corner pins, especially the 10-pin. She was right-handed. Um, I told her give me a couple of practices and we'll have that, that goal knocked out. But I made it a point that no matter what competition we were in, if this girl picked up a corner pin, I made it a point to make sure that she knew that that I understood that that was one of her goals for the season. That was something that she really wanted to learn how to do. And once she did it, it clicked with her and things really started to take off with her. So um, make sure that you acknowledge and continue to reassure and back up your communication. Okay, to build on the um, do what you say you're gonna do. I had another incident one time on my team where uh, my rules are you gotta be at a competition thirty minutes before the competition begins. So if the tournament starts at nine a.m., you better be at the bowling alley by eight thirty. If you're late. Then you don't bowl. Um, so uh, I had one time I had a, uh, a player show up late. They uh, they were a good ten minutes late, and um, I informed them that they would not be bowling. And uh, had some issues with a parent. The parent came down, and started yelling at me, telling me that I was an idiot and didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't the kid's fault. It was their fault. And I said, hey, the rules are the rules. Everyone else made it here on time. Uh, I made it here on time, so um, you're late, you're late. The rules are the rules. I don't care how good you were. I don't care if you were a superstar or a a bench player. Um, Everyone has to follow the same rules. And um, Ultimately, that uh, incident uh, brought a lot of respect to the other kids on the team because they knew that what I said I was going to do, I did and it didn't matter who it was Um, and and they all took note you you could tell by the looks on their face they knew I was upset about it and uh, they knew that I meant business and I never had a problem with anyone being late again after that so um, you gotta do what you say you're gonna do Um, here's the other thing um, for coaches I always thought of practice time as time for me to coach the kids. That was the most important time that I had to work with the kids. I was shocked when I started coaching and I seen other high school teams practicing and I seen the coaches from these other teams bowling, Uh, actually on lanes practicing their own games, working on their games with the high school team. Um, the, The thing that shocked me was a lot of high schools don't get a lot of time to practice. We were pretty fortunate at Kersley that we got a couple hour time frame to practice, but um, some schools are lucky to get an hour, hour and a half, and they're kicking them off the lanes. And if you're taking up time working on your game, how are you going to be making your team better? So um, I don't know that I ever bowled with my team in my 15 years of coaching. Uh, I always took that practice time as That was serious practice time. I mean, I planned all of my practices beforehand, and I made sure that kids had things to do. There may have been some times where uh, we went through some of what I had planned out, and we ended practice early, but we didn't screw around. Practice time is for practice. And if you want your team to be good and successful, I think that's something that you need to take into account, is make sure that your practices are planned Difficult and that the kids get something out of it and explain to them. What what it is That you're practicing and why you're doing it again communication. It's key um, I'm about 24 minutes into my podcast for today So I think I'm gonna cut this one off because I got a whole lot more to add and how I ran my team and uh, I think I'll pick up the next podcast we'll discuss um, how I decided to run the team and how players would be ranked and how, how things would work out in these practices. And some of it came from Don Hargraves and his workouts. Some of it came from uh, discussing things with Mr. Tubbs. And uh, it seemed to work, but I will uh, let you know how that goes in the next podcast. So uh, for now, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, if you get anything at all from this one, r- just remember this. If you're going to be a head coach, especially at the high school level, it doesn't matter what sport it is, you really need to learn to communicate and do what you say you're going to do. Have a good day. Bye-bye.